welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. After a series of parables describing the kingdom of God, Jesus essentially asks, are you getting it? Are we? Lead teacher Jeff Norris finishes the series Kingdom Parables with this sermon entitled Follow and Flourish, which covers Matthew chapter 13, verses 51 and 52. For more information and to watch or hear other sermons, please visit our website at Perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Perimeter Church. Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 51 and 52. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Anna. Let's read aloud together our prayer of illumination. Heavenly Father, help us submit to the authority of your scriptures. May they guide and shape our lives, leading us closer to you and helping us recognize the extraordinary worth of your kingdom. Grant us the strength to release worldly attachments and the vision to see the surpassing value of Christ. Grant us the ability to flourish in your kingdom as we hear and apply your word today. Amen and amen. Well, if you've been with us, you know we've been in a series that we've been calling Kingdom Parables as we walk through most of the parables that are recorded for us in Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to wrap up that Uh, that chapter today in a a little bit of a briefer sermon than I would normally give as we look at these last two verses of the chapter, or at least of our our text that we've been in, in these parables. And uh, then I'm going to, from that, move into a, a time where we've been calling this Vision Sunday. It's a time for us to just answer the question, who are we? What are we about? What is it that drives us? And, and with that, I'll be giving you some language for us to all be aware of, and really uh, same language that we can say, okay, this is helping me understand who is Perimeter Church, what is it that we're chasing after, and that we're all rowing, if you will, in the same direction. But as we think about our text and think about what these two verses that were just read for us say and what they're wanting us, what God is wanting us to take from them, um, I'll, I'll give you just a little bit of a context as to where we're in life right now in our family. Uh, Rachel and I are currently uh, training our third child to drive. Please pray for us. Um, if you've done that before, you know it's not for the faint of heart. Samuel, our oldest, has been driving for a little over four years, and Ellie Kate has been driving for almost a year. And now Abby, our 15-year-old, she turned 15 in November, uh, she is learning how to drive. And, and uh, the, the permit test that she took when she turned 15, I was actually uh, a little surprised, and I guess this has happened each time, but I don't, I don't remember, uh, just how thorough it is. It's a, it's a thorough test. There's a lot of people that take it when they turn 15 that have to take it again because there's so much content in there. And so it's a thorough test, um, but it's, it's a written test. It's a test you take before you've actually done anything in terms of driving in the car. Now, what if, what if our system was such that that was all that was needed? You just take the written test as a 15-year-old, and if you pass the written test, you go drive. You have your license. I mean, that would be foolish. We know that would be foolish, but could she, if I had gone to her, if that were the way in which it worked, 
and she takes the test and she passes it, could I go to her and say, do you understand how to drive a car? She could technically say, yes, I understand. I passed the test. I understand what it takes to put the car in drive. I understand the blinker and left and right and mirrors and, you know, everything that's on the test. I understand the road signs. I understand yield and all that. I, I get it. But none of us, none of us would say, well, you don't really, we wouldn't say you understand to the point of driving. We, say, we would say, uh, does she really understand? Well, no. Why? Because there has to be some hands-on training. There has to be some time where she's in the car with us, being trained, being coached, getting a feel for it, understanding in practice, not just in concept, what it means to drive a car. True understanding, we know this to be true in all kinds of things in life. True understanding isn't just grabbing the concept intellectually. It starts there, but it moves to this ability to actually do it in practice and to live it and do it such that what you know to be true here becomes what you live out in your life. I mean, for me personally, it's, it's, it, it just screams, this whole analogy screams uh, off the page to me uh, in golf. I, I, conceptually, I get how to hit a golf ball. I can tell you what you need to do, what I should be doing. I can talk to you about grip. I can talk to you about what my hips should be doing, the plane of the club, all the kinds of, I can talk to you. I get it. I understand it. You watch me play golf, you'll go, he doesn't understand it. <laughs> I th he thinks he understands it. He doesn't understand it. Every now and then he does, but most of the time, no. Because what do we say? We say, well, what I know here hasn't necessarily translated to practice into what I am living out practically. In this text, I, this is what Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand because he's walked through these seven parables with them and every parable is about the nature of the kingdom. What should we know and understand about the kingdom of God? But then as he gets to the end of that teaching, he asks them this all important question. Do you understand all these things? It's verse 51 there in our text. Have you understood all these things? And the disciples reply, yes. Which I think is funny. I think it's really funny. They say yes, because don't you know Jesus is going, okay. Right, because maybe it's, they're just saying, okay, look, we've already asked a lot of dumb questions. We're not gonna ask more dumb questions. And so just so that we don't look dumber, we're, yeah, we get it. Jesus, we totally, yeah, totally get it. But they don't, and Jesus knows that they don't. Because, what does he say next? What he says next in verse 52 is he says, and he said to them, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is, old, what is new and what is old. And you go, okay, what, what am I, what's he trying to say? Well, he's saying this. First, he says, he calls them scribes. Those who follow in the way of the kingdom of God and who, who understand the nature of the kingdom of God, they're scribes, meaning uh, they are people of the word. Who were scribes in that day? Scribes were people who uh, saturated their, themselves in the scriptures, which would have been the Old Testament then, what we know as the Old Testament now. And they saturated themselves in the, the, the scriptures such that they knew them by heart, but they also used them for their own self uh, to profit themselves, and they used it to the detriment of the holy religion. 
This is who Jesus had the most issue with, is the Pharisees and the scribes, those who knew the word but didn't apply the word. Those who had in concept what it meant to follow God but didn't follow God. And so what he's saying to his disciples is this. He's saying, uh, you are true and better, new and better scribes. You're not like the scribes that you and I are aware of. You're like new scribes who are like a master of a house, meaning you have mastered the text. You have understood the, the kingdom of God such that you're bringing out both the old and the new, meaning you don't just know the law and everything that's contained in the Old Testament. You also know the new way which is Jesus and the kingdom of God through him. And so you're taking the old as it informs the new. You're understanding the old such that you're pointing people to this new way. You're a true and better scribe. But in order to do this, you have to understand everything I've just told you in these parables. And what would that be? Well, let's think about it. You go back to the beginning of the chapter. What was the first parable that he told us? that he told them at that time and now us. We didn't teach it because we had, t we had taught that parable back in June, but it, here it is. It's the parable of the sower, which is the whole idea is to, to, to understand, not just conceptually, but in practice in life, is that uh, the soil of your heart matters. Every heart has soil, so to speak. And what's the soil of your heart? And there's only the only soil that receives the word of God and then allows it to do that transformative work such that we become kingdom people is good soil. So does your heart have good soil? That's the main question of that parable. Are you receiving the word and are you being made more like one who would walk in the way of the kingdom? And then the next one he teaches is the parable of the weeds. And then a little bit later on the parable of the net that both have the same application, which is to say this, hey, there is... There's a real judgment coming. Disciples, do you get this? There's a, there's a real judgment coming and there's a real hell. And I am a real savior living a real life among you and I'm gonna die a real death and I'm gonna conquer a very real grave to rescue you from that real hell and real Satan and lead you into a real heaven. Do you understand? Because if you understand, it changes how you live life now. It's transformative, it's not just conceptual. Then he teaches another parable that we didn't teach in this series because we had taught it back in June about the, the parable of the, uh, the mustard seed and the leaven. And, and the application was this, hey, with the mustard seed, it seems incredibly small, but the kingdom, just like that little mustard seed that so see, seems so insignificant and small, the kingdom grows slowly but surely. And it's hidden. You're not going to notice it most of the time. In, in fact, throughout the history of the church, the way the kingdom go, grows most healthfully, the way in which it's, it's, vib uh, it's, it's most vibrant is when it is kind of happening behind the scenes. You're not going to notice it, but it's growing every day. Every day since Jesus rose from the dead, every day someone somewhere is being added to the fold of the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus. The kingdom is growing. But the... the the parable of the leaven is that it's not just growing in size, it's growing in saturation, it's permeating everything. Again, in ways that we don't always recognize and the world certainly doesn't recognize. Those who don't believe in Jesus can't see it, but we see it and we know that there is something that is happening with the kingdom of God first in us and most importantly in us that's saturating our very being, every part of who we are. It changes everything about us. 
He changes everything about us. And then through us, we begin to saturate this world. And you go, really? I'm looking at the world. There's so much sin and there's so much brokenness and there's war and there's famine and there's disease and it's just awful. And you go, yeah, but if you have eyes to see, we know that's there. We're in this already, but not yet broken reality until Jesus comes again and makes all things new. But the kingdom is coming now. It is saturating. Little bit by little bit. Do you have eyes to see? Do you understand? And then he teaches this parable, these two parables back to back on the, the value of the kingdom, the immeasurable value of the kingdom when he talks about the treasure in the field and the pearl of great value. He says, okay, are you understanding that this kingdom that I'm ushering in, says Jesus, this kingdom that I'm ushering in is of such value, such infinite, incomparable value that when you see it, when you behold it, when you embrace it, you're able to actually let go of all kinds of other things that the world would say is valuable, but that you know now in comparison to the kingdom is actually not, and you can let go. And the marker of someone who is embracing the value of the kingdom is sacrifice laden with joy. Do you understand? Because you can understand these things and say, yes, I get it. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the king. There's a kingdom. He's coming. And it not change who we are. Because, because typically, a lot of times what can happen is that we can know things conceptually about the kingdom of God. We can know things about Jesus as the one who has come as this savior, servant, king. Uh, but really what ends up happening is we just play church. We, as Christian Smith, the philosopher said, is that we actually inundate ourselves with moralistic therape therapeutic deism. In other words, we do religious things just to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, but we're not really following in the way of the kingdom. We're not really sacrificing ourselves laden with joy such that we're letting go of things of this earth to embrace a greater reality. We're just going through the motions of church and, we're, and it's therapeutic and we feel good because we're being more moral and we, and we laid it, laden it with God language, there's the deism part, but we're really not encountering Jesus and his kingdom. So that's why Jesus says, do you understand these things? Because if you understand them, it changes everything. And, 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 and this is why he says in the text, it was hard to catch, but you, we can't miss it. He says that if you understand it, essentially you're, you're like a scribe. And here's the phrase that we can't miss who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven. Who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven. Another way to say that, who's been equipped for the kingdom of heaven. Every day that you live as a follower of Jesus and as a part of his kingdom, there is something that is happening within you that is training you, that is equipping you, that is transforming you, that is changing you to be more in line with the kingdom of heaven than the kingdom of this world. And perhaps a better translation of that, of that Greek wording there in the original language where it says trained for the kingdom of heaven, perhaps a better translation is this, is that you are becoming a disciple in the kingdom of heaven. That you're like one who is becoming a disciple in the kingdom of heaven. So here's two very quick implications or applications from this. If we understand these things, if we truly understand the teaching of Matthew 13, then two things, not only two things, but two, at the least, will be true. We'll do two things. Here they are. One, 
we will allow ourselves to be trained and instructed in the way of becoming a disciple in the kingdom. We'll allow ourselves. In other words, our lives will be one of these things where we go, okay, there are people who have gone before me. There are people who are older than me. There are people who walk in with Jesus longer than I have. They may or may not be older. But they've been walking in this way of the kingdom for quite some time. And I want to go to them humbly and say, hey, could you, could you help me here? Could you train me? Could you equip me to walk with Jesus in the way that you do? And I know it's not perfect. And that person would probably say, oh, you don't know how messed up I am. And you go, I know, I get it. And that's part of why I'm attracted to you. Because yes, you're struggling with sin just like I do. But I'm seeing you embrace Jesus more and more in your life. And I'm seeing the Lord transform you. Could we do this together? Could you train me? Could you equip me? So that's one thing that we'll do, is that we'll say, help me become a disciple. Help me to become one who is becoming more of a disciple in the kingdom of God. So that's one thing that we'll do. But then the other thing that we'll do is that we will not just allow ourselves or ask others to train us. We will train and instruct others in the way of becoming a disciple in the kingdom. We will train and equip and instruct and help others. In other words, it's this beautiful rhythm of receiving training and giving training, of receiving equipping and giving equipping, of learning what it looks like to be a disciple in the kingdom of God and embrace the kingdom even now in us and through us and then helping others do the same. It's this river, if you will, of where as it passes into us, we are also the river of life, living waters to those around us. Christ in us, helping others become disciples in this kingdom. So Jesus, here's the point of this little text as he wraps up Matthew 13. Jesus is simply saying, do you understand? Do you? Because to, to understand is not just to get it here. It's not just to pass the written test. It's to Invite the Lord through others into your life into this beautiful process of being made more like Jesus. The way that we sum this up, and this is a little bit, this is where I'll transition into kind of who we are. The way that we have summed this up is to say, when we think about, okay, who is Perimeter Church? Perimeter, first of all, is, is a very small fish in a massive pond. We're not that important in the grand scheme of the kingdom of God. We're a blip on the radar in, in, in church history up until now and in, in church future. We're, we're just doing what God has called us to do in the time that he's given us. But we take his calling upon this church very seriously. And, and what we try to sum up, kind of even what has been taught here in these two verses at the end of Matthew 13, we try to sum it up with a little phrase. This says, okay, if we're going to boil, and I mean boil, I mean, I'm talking, guys, a whole lot by God's grace that happens here and through us out there. If we boil it, boil it down to one little thing to answer the question, who are we? Who is Perimeter Church? We answer it with this. We're an equipping church. That's who we are. We're an equipping church. We feel like that in this little time in space that God has given us to be here for however long he calls us to be a church, and we hope it's for decades and decades and centuries to come until Jesus returns, 
that what he's called us to in our little niche of the kingdom is to say this, is that we want to live out Matthew 13, 52. We wanna be these people who are receiving training and equipping to become disciples of Jesus and then we're giving that very same equipping to make disciples of Jesus. And so we're an equipping church. Now, if we expand that just a little bit, if we expand that just a little bit, we add a couple of things to it that becomes what we would say is our heartbeat. The heartbeat of Perimeter Church, what is, what is it that we're gonna say over and over and over again and that we want you to know, if you don't memorize anything that I give you today, because I'm gonna break it down from here and there's gonna be really important things I'm gonna share in the next 20 minutes. But if you don't remember anything else, the one thing that I want you to memorize is what I'm about to say, which is this, here's the heartbeat of Perimeter Church, that we equip you to follow Jesus and to flourish in his kingdom. That's the, if you wanna think, okay, what is the banner? What is the big umbrella statement over everything that we do? What is the heartbeat? That's what we're calling it. What is the heartbeat of who we are and what we do? It's that, it's to equip you to follow Jesus. And there's so many things that fall under that. I mean, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, my goodness, you're gonna hear in just a moment, there's all kinds of things. But at the, at the 40,000 foot level, that's it. I'm gonna equip you to follow Jesus and to flourish in his kingdom to embrace the kingdom more and more in your life every day, such that you begin to flourish in a new way of life. And that doesn't necessarily mean circumstantially, because we know this life is always gonna be hard. It's always gonna have its challenges. We're always gonna suffer in some way or another. The the Lord promised as much. In this world, you'll have tribulation, but I've overcome the world. Take heart, I've overcome the world. So it's not so much flourishing in the sense of circumstantial, but flourishing in the kingdom of God that is present now in us. What does that look like? Well, we'll break that down. But the heartbeat, we want to equip you to follow Jesus and flourish in his kingdom. This is who we've been, by the way, from the beginning. This is just some new language. But our our founding pastor, Randy Pope, we've always been an equipping church. He would tell you that. Randy has an immense heart for evangelism and discipleship and making disciples. If you've been around him for five minutes, you'll hear him talk about it. He's led thousands of people to Jesus and trained them in the faith. This is who we've always been. We're just putting some language to it where we can all kind of know, okay, this is who we are. This is what makes us tick. This is our heartbeat. You know, I asked um, our staff, when I shared this with our staff um, a couple of months ago, we did something that uh, in this context, just a little probably too much to do in terms of the size of, of the number of people responding. But in that context, it, it, was, it was possible. And, and we did this little thing where we had an app that they downloaded on their phone through a QR code. And it led them to this page where they could answer one question. And the question was simply this, how has, by God's grace, how has Perimeter Church equipped you in your time here? And as they answered the question, their answers would immediately populate on the screen. And it was fun to watch that happen in real time. Here's a few, uh, I'll just list a, a few of the responses that were some of the most common responses. Perimeter Church has equipped me to trust God through tough seasons and circumstances. Perimeter Church has equipped me to disciple others, to uh, develop spiritual habits and disciplines, to be confident in who I am in Christ and to be confident in sharing Christ with others, to know God's word more deeply, uh, to disciple my children in the home and understand that I am the primary disciple maker of my children 
to pray more in radical dependence, to worship well. And the list goes on and on. And we were so deeply encouraged by that. And some of those answers you may resonate with. You may say, gosh, I've been here for a few years. I've been here 30 years, whatever it is. And that, I found that to be true. What that person said, I would say that's true as well. Maybe there were some other things that, that you would say, you know, I didn't hear what I would say. What I would say is this. And whatever it may be, we, we are just overwhelmed continually by God's grace and how he has equipped people year in and year out to be trained as disciples, to be trained for the kingdom of heaven. We are equipping people to follow Jesus and flourish in his kingdom. But there's something under that. If that's, the, if that's the umbrella statement, if that's the heartbeat statement, then what undergirds it? What fuels that that makes us tick? Well, there's four things that I want to walk through with you here briefly that we have to understand about who we are that fuels that heartbeat. And the first one is there's a posture that we have to take every single day. There's a posture that... that uh, that we want you to have individually every single day and for us to have corporately as a church body. And the posture is this. We, we sum it up in two words. And, and it's a word, if you've been around, it's words that you're familiar with. Radical dependence. That's our posture. And, and radical dependence is the, the fuller kind of picture is, it, is that we're daily trusting God to do what only he can do. Uh, we're every single day, we're embracing the posture of what 2 Corinthians teaches, teaches us, that Paul teaches us through the writing of the Corinthians, says this. He says, I'm weak, I'm broken, I'm incapable, but in my weakness, your power is made perfect. And because we know that the power of God flows through weak vessels, because we know that God strikes straight blows through crooked sticks like us, then we embrace radical dependence. We embrace it. We understand that it's gotta be, this is, this, is, this is John 15 language. This is Jesus teaching his disciples and saying, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so the daily posture of someone who is being trained for the kingdom of heaven, who's being equipped to walk in the way of the kingdom is someone who is every single day throughout the day saying, okay, I wanna be in radical dependence upon you, Lord. And, you, and that'll be a struggle. Sometimes you will be, sometimes you won't, but that's what we wanna grow in. Trusting God to do what only he can do. Randy used to say all the time, for years and years and years, he would say, uh, he would say that we want to, as a church, we want to attempt something so great for God that it's doomed to fail unless God be in it. In other words, we don't want to just try to pull church off. We don't, don't want to just kind of, hey, let's do religious stuff together and call it a God work. No, 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 we want a God work in us and through us so that he gets all the glory. So that we can say time and time again, that would not have happened in you, in me, in us, through us, apart from God. And the way that happens is in a posture of radical dependence. As we take that posture of radical dependence, it helps us understand more and more our purpose. Again, these applications to each of these is individual and corporate. But we begin to understand why are we here? Like why do you and I exist? And so we begin to, in that posture, embrace more and more the purpose, which is to say this, we're here to worship. I don't mean just here on Sunday mornings. You exist on this earth to worship. It's why we're here. 
And, and you don't have to look very far to see that that is innate within every single human being. We were made to worship. The problem is, is that our, our worship, uh, the object of our worship is misaligned in all kinds of different directions. I mean, this is why we can fill up 100,000 seat stadiums uh, worshiping 18 to 22 year old kids and staking our, our emotional well-being for weeks upon them. It's because what do we want to do? We, de- we deeply want to wor- worship something. And we begin to understand as we are radically dependent upon the Lord that he is the only one who is worthy of our worship. And the more that we worship him, the more things in our life, in our hearts, in our minds, in our existence actually begin to take shape in ways that make sense. Our purpose is wrapped up for us so well in the Westminster Confession of Faith. When they summarize in what's called the Shorter Catechism, they ask this question, the very first question of the document. It was written 400 plus years ago. They say this, they say, what's the chief end of man? What's what's the chief end? It's it's another way of saying, "Why why do we exist? And here's how they answer it. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We add just a little thing to the end of that is to glorify God and enjoy him forever as we pursue kingdom flourishing together. That last part will make sense in just a moment when I share the next part. But that first little part of it is straight from the Westminster Confession of Faith, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now they're not, the the guys that wrote the Westminster Confession, it's not scripture, it's not God's word, but they garner that from God's word because as we study the scriptures, we see, yes, that's why we're here. To glorify God in everything that we do, and to to actually enjoy him. Now, if you've been in church uh, for any length of time, you you start to kind of wrap your mind around, well, if God is God, and my point of existence is to worship him, I kind of get the whole glorify him thing, even though I struggle with it. That makes sense. He's worthy of glory. And so, yes, it would make sense that my life exists to glorify him. Where we struggle the most, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where we struggle the most is with that next part, which is to enjoy him. We really struggle to enjoy him. We're more afraid of God than we are able to enjoy him. Even those who have experienced his grace and forgiveness, we still, we still kind of, uh, uh, not even kind of, we really struggle to see him as someone to be enjoyed. And part of the reason that we struggle with that is because we don't believe that he enjoys us. You remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this briefly and I said, it's easier for us to believe that God loves us than it is to believe that God likes us. It really is. But but where we need to move as those who are in Christ is into that realm of going, okay, I think I do believe that God loves me. I don't fully understand it. And maybe you don't, maybe that's the struggle as well. But the like me, no, 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 he loves you and he likes you. He delights in you. The scriptures actually say that many times over. He calls you his beloved. He calls you his sons and daughters. He says to you, you are my friend. If you're in Christ, you have to remember this. If you are in Christ, if you believed upon Jesus as the king, as the savior, as the one who is the only one who deals with our sin problem that separates us from God. If you believe in Jesus, you are covered by his blood and you are in Christ such that he always delights in you. And you go, you don't know my sin. No, I get it. But if you're in Christ, he's doing a work within you slowly but surely and he's not mad at you. And here's the beautiful thing. Here's the glorious thing about when we begin to wrap our minds around that God doesn't just save me and tolerate me. 
I mean, think about that. How often do you approach God as though he's just annoyingly tolerating you? You're gonna delight in somebody that you think that's true of? He, he just annoyingly tolerates me because I just can't stop messing up. Are you gonna delight in him? Well, of course not. But when we can move past that to say, no, no, he is a father and a friend. He is a one who loves me deeply and who likes me at every turn. Then what begins to happen? We actually begin to delight in that God. And when we believe that he delights in us, it fuels our delight in him. It's called mutual delight. And what happens? The more we delight in him, naturally, the more we glorify him, the more we worship him. It's why you and I exist. It's our purpose. So our posture is radical dependence. Our, our purpose is worship, to glorify him and to enjoy him. What's our vision? Where are we headed with all this? What's the end that we want to see happen? In other words, everywhere we go, everything that we do, everything that we touch, Everything, where we live, where we work, where we play, where we go, all of it. What is it that we're chasing after? Here it is. Here's our vision. Our vision is that we want to see, we want to see people come into right relationship with God, right relationship with self, and right relationship with neighbor. Such that as they experience his kingdom, they express it to the world. This is our vision. This is where we're going. When you talk about, I want you to get a mental image of that we're all on one of those old row ships, right? And all of us are rowing. There is no engine and we're all rowing, but if we're not rowing in the same direction, it's gonna be hard. So this is where we're rowing. This is what we're chasing after. If you wanna think about that opening illustration, we've, we conceptually understand the kingdom. Where are we driving? We're in the car now. We're being trained for the kingdom. Where are we going? We're going towards this, that every person we encounter through us would come into right relationship with God, right relationship with self, and right relationship with neighbor. Now, where's the foundation for this biblically? Let me show you. You gotta go all the way back to the beginning. Go back to Genesis one. What is it that God's doing in creation? There's a lot of things that he's doing, but here's, here's one of the main things that I think we miss sometimes. What God is doing in creation is he is bringing order out of chaos. Remember how it starts in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? And the earth was dark and full of void. And, and, the, and the, the spirit hovered over the waters of the deep. In other words, there was something there. There was a blob there, but it was chaos. It was dark. And what was the first thing he did? He, he brings lightness out of dark. What is he doing? He's bringing order out of chaos. Interesting. Because what happens in Genesis 3? In Genesis 3, when we choose sin... When we, through our first parents, Adam and Eve, choose sin and we revolt against God, what are we doing? Part of what we're doing is we are saying, I'd rather have chaos than order. Because what happened when sin came into the world, everything was thrown back into chaos. Our hearts were thrown back into chaos. We are disordered in every way. We're fractured in every way. We're broken in every way. We're marred by sin. It's not just us, it's all of creation itself. And, and there's a word in the Bible that keeps showing up over and over and over again in the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's this word shalom. In the New Testament, it's this Greek word irene. But it keeps showing up over and over again, and it's the word that we use in English to translate as peace. But as you've heard me say, if you've been around, that's a, it's a good translation. It's not a full translation. It's not a great word to get at the thick, rich, 
ancient word of shalom because when God would talk about shalom, he wasn't just talking about the absence of conflict. And he wasn't just talking about the presence of tranquility and rest. Although, and those are the two that when we say peace, if I say to you, hey, peace be with you, we think absence of conflict and rest for my soul. It's great. It is that. But when the Bible, when the writers of the Bible, when God had something in mind with that word shalom and arene, it was full and rich. And it wasn't just the absence of conflict and it wasn't just the presence of tranquility, but it was the presence of completeness. It was the idea of harmony, don't miss this, harmony and order. It was this understanding of fullness that comes in the kingdom of God. So I hope you're connecting some dots here because what is Jesus up to? What is he up to? Jesus as the king ushering in his kingdom, remember what happened in Genesis one and two, order flourishing, shalom, the fullness of completedness, oneness, everything in harmony. What happens when sin comes into the world? Chaos, disorder, disarray, disharmony. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is recreating. If anyone wants to come to Jesus, what he has to be born again. He has to be recreated by faith. And what is Jesus doing in us, first and foremost, as he brings the kingdom? He's putting things back into order. He's transferring us, transferring us from the kingdom of dark into the kingdom of light. Does that sound like Genesis 1 to you? He's recreating. What is he doing? He's bringing shalom back into the heart of his image bearers. We call it flourishing. Because if I say shalom to you, you go, okay, that sounds interesting. I don't know what that means, but if I say flourishing, that doesn't mean flourishing circumstantially necessarily, like I said but this inward reality that my life is being put back together. There's order, there's shalom, there's harmony, and it's happening first and foremost in right relationship with God. That's where the kingdom comes first, is vertically. Right relationship with God. But it also comes in this intrinsic reality of right relationship with self to where I can actually now view myself correctly as God takes the disorder and puts it back into order is God leads me out of darkness into his beloved light, into the kingdom of his beloved son. As he takes all the fractured glass and shards of my heart and pieces them back together into a mirror image of him. And the neighbor, right relationship with neighbor. When, when we fell dead in the garden with our first parents, how do we know immediately that things weren't right? Well, Cain kills Abel. Things aren't just really messed up vertically, they're really messed up horizontally. If there's any hope for reconciliation and flourishing to happen horizontally, it's only through the kingdom of Jesus. The world longs for it, only Jesus brings it. So we wrap this up, we, you know, we kind of said, look, posture wrapped up in two words, radical dependence. Purpose wrapped up in wor one word, worship. Vision wrapped up in two words, kingdom flourishing. That's what we're chasing after that you and I would experience the flourishing of the kingdom that can only be found in Jesus. What about our mission? How are we gonna get there? How does God, what, what plan did God give us? It's not about how are we gonna get there? What did he give the church? How do we move towards kingdom flourishing? Well, it's the mission of spiritual multiplication, which is to say this. On a daily basis, we wanna form gospel-rooted disciples of Christ who make and train disciples. 
want to form gospel-rooted disciples of Christ who make and train disciples. This is this idea of spiritual multiplication. You know, when Randy started this church, there was, from day one until now, it has never been uh, designed in a way that this church would grow through one person. Meaning, because they're a great teacher or speaker or whatever, that's not the idea. Sunday mornings matter. Listen to last week's sermon. I made a statement about that. Sunday mornings matter. But the way a church grows in a healthy way is through life-on-life missional discipleship. The proclamation of the word, critically important. Sacraments, critically important. But where does it get pressed into our hearts? It's when you and I do life together and we train one another, we equip one another, we help one another become more like Jesus. It's this process of making and training disciples. We use that wording very, very uh, specifically because to make disciples in our vernacular, what we mean is this. To make disciples is to lead someone from unbelief to belief. That's making disciples. To move from unbelief to belief. To train disciples is to move someone from belief to maturity. That you're in that process of becoming more and more like Jesus as the discipleship rhythm takes place in your life. So just to recap very quickly here, our posture is radical dependence, our purpose is worship, our vision is kingdom flourishing, and our mission is spiritual multiplication. You'll start seeing this language, especially our heartbeat, our heartbeat language, you'll start seeing that more and more, you'll start hearing it more and more. It'll be a big part of Uh, of what we try to just continue to keep in front of you in ways that you can remember and understand and, and, and buy in with us. Say, yeah, okay, this is where we are, this is who we are, and this is where we're going. In light of that, you'll get this little brochure on your way out today. Pick up one of these, one per family. And uh, in it is everything that I've just walked through with you, even in a little bit more detail. Also, what you'll find in there is about midway through, you'll find this diagram. It looks like this. We call it the spiritual formation model. And this is a way in which we'll take, we'll begin to take that, everything that I just talked about with our heartbeat statement, with our vision, posture, purpose, mission, all of it, and we'll begin to tease it out into your lives and into the lives of the life of the church. And here's how I want you to view this model. Uh, this is just a, a tool that we're using to help us categorize and think about our lives. This is not something to add to your life. All these things that now I have to do in addition to everything else that I'm doing. No, this is actually representing all the categories of the life of a Christian already. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And so I want you to see this more as a lens, okay? That's kind of why we made it look like an eye. Uh, Isn't that cool? All right, anyway. It's a lens to view life through, the life of a Christian. And, And you'll notice at the core, at the very center, uh, is the union with Christ piece. We have to be united to Christ. It's what it means to be in faith in this faith relationship with Jesus is that we've been made one with him. He dwells within us. We are in Christ and we are united to Christ. And as those who are united to him, we can't do it on our own. It has to be his power through us. Then we are also people who daily seek to be walking in the spirit. The Holy Spirit who indwells every follower of Christ gives us the power to live the Christian life. And so if we start from the outside in and we say, okay, I gotta gotta start focusing on these areas of my life, but we're not letting the core heartbeat or or the core motivation of it be uh, union with Christ and walking in the spirit, then we're gonna be really frustrated. So we start there. And then as we move out, think about these. These are not clean categories in our lives, by the way. They all run together. They all mesh together, but they're just ways to think about, okay, 
are there certain areas of my life that I know I need to grow in, that I know I need to be equipped in more? Like you may look at this and you may go, okay, the, the stage of life that I'm in right now, by God's grace, glory to God, he, my godly character is, is where, it's not where I want it to be, but I, man, I've grown a ton. I can see his hand all over my life in terms of my character that he's changed over the years because of his presence within me. But then you look over and you go, okay, wait, though, God-honoring relationships, I, I know I need to be grown, grown and equipped there. My character is, is growing, but I've got, to go, I've got people in my life that I haven't forgiven. There's people I still need to move to and ask to forgive me, things like that. So there's different ways. You know, we want to be holistic worshipers. Maybe you look at it and you go, uh, embracing a kingdom calling, what is that all about? And that's the idea of us equipping you to understand that, hey, your job isn't just a way to make money. Your job is, yes, a, a way of income for you, but it's also a place that God has very purposefully put you to have an impact for the kingdom of God. How might you begin to embrace your calling in such a way that it would have eternal ramifications and not just financial ramifications? So as we think about this, think about uh, this quote that I love from Dane Ortland, where he says in his book, Deeper, to grow as a disciple of Christ is not adding Christ to your life. This is not just a bunch of categories to add. This is what you're already doing as a Christian, but how do you need to grow and be equipped in it? Because he says this, to grow as a disciple of Christ is not adding Christ to your life, but collapsing into Christ more in your life. And so, as I said, these categories are not, uh, uh, they bleed together. They're not, they're not neat and, and uh, separate. Uh, they overlap. They're also not scripture. You're not gonna see some of that language in scripture kingdom calling, these kind of things, but it's all of these are derived from God's word and God's teaching. And then lastly, I would say this, uh, in this realm, it's not a linear path of spiritual growth. It's not a one, two, three step process. It's a, uh, as you grow in this area, you're gonna realize I need to grow over here. And then it's a, it's a lifelong process. Here's three things that I wanna leave you with. Three application points as we consider this whole idea of who we are. First, um, would you pray? And I really mean that. Would you pray? I, I, that's not a throwaway statement because we're supposed to say that. No. Would you pray? And here's what I'd like for you to pray. That, the center, the center of that spiritual formation model. Lord, help me to remember my union with you. And would you fill me with your spirit every single day that I can actually begin to grow more into your likeness in these various areas of my life? Would you pray? Part of your prayer is asking him, God, where do I need to grow? Where do I need to be equipped more? And then letting us know that. Talk to our pastors, talk to me, talk to anybody that I can point you in the right direction and say, okay, yeah, we can help you grow there. The second thing is in line with that. Uh, one of the best ways to start in being equipped to be trained for the kingdom of heaven uh, is yes, in our discipleship groups, those will be open again coming this summer and fall. But in the meantime, before discipleship groups are open again, our 9 a.m. equipping hour, that's what we call it. We call it a equipping class. At 9 a.m. every Sunday in the fellowship hall or in the gym, one of these two spaces right out here, uh, we have a class and the class is an equipping class. And, and what we're gonna start with next week is the very center of that model, union with Christ. How can I be equipped in learning and understanding and growing in such a way that I am seeing the, under, the importance of, uh, of union with Christ and I'm being able to live that out? So that's one. And then one last one thing, uh, one last thing I'd give you is this. One of those categories that was represented on the model was uh, engaging missionally. 
And you may think, okay, man, there's a lot of people in my life that I'd love for them to encounter the kingdom and express it to the world, but I have no idea how to even begin to have that conversation. Well, I've mentioned Randy, who led this church for so very long, and I, and I mentioned that he's led thousands of people to faith. I can't think of anyone better to train and equip people on sharing their faith, on engaging missionally with those around us who don't know Jesus. And so starting in March, March 10th, he's gonna be leading a class, a multi-week class on Sunday mornings as well called Express Your Faith. Registration hasn't opened for that yet, but it will very soon. We'll let you know when it does. You can go online, you can sign up for that class. Can't think of a better way for you to be equipped in engaging missionally. Let me close with this. The way, I talked about our posture being radical dependence, but remember that second ring of that diagram. Walking in the spirit. People, when, we're, when people are radically dependent on the Lord, it means that we're walking in the spirit. And what does the spirit lead us to do? We're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Remember this teaching that I've done before? I can't get into it now, but here's the summation of it. We go places we normally wouldn't go. We do things we normally wouldn't do. We say things we normally wouldn't say. We risk things we normally wouldn't risk because the Spirit of God is moving us out for the kingdom impact of the world, for kingdom flourishing. Father, would you help us be led by your Spirit in such a way that that would be true of us? both individually and together as a body, would we be a people who are uh, being filled with your spirit in light of our union with you in such a way that, we are, uh, that we're helping people all around us follow Jesus and flourish in his kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you've called Perimeter to be an equipping church. May we walk in that calling faithfully. May we continually equip others, train others, to be those who walk in the way of the kingdom of God. And will we do it all for your glory? We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, let's sing together. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Sermon Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and to find other sermons from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.